Welcome to the Gospel According to with Ryan and Mike, a conversation designed to explore what makes the gospel good news in various books and topics of the Bible. Hey, Mike. So as we continue book ending Romans, we have tried in the last four conversations to lay a groundwork for what Romans is about, what problems Paul is trying to correct, how Jesus is providing a solution, how he's using the scriptures, and all trying to just present this most beautiful message. Now, in our next conversation, we're going to start in Romans 1, but we we need to, of course, finish out the book by reading this beautiful doxology. The word doxologist means words of praise, and this is how he finishes the book. Romans 16, verse 25. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. So this is how the Apostle Paul closes out this most marvelous of books. Remind us, what is Paul aiming at in Romans, and how does this doxology fit within that mission? Yeah, so so that that very practical aim for all the, the high, lofty, dense theology that is so often connected with Romans and is, and is filled in Romans, he has this very big picture and yet tangible, concrete, on-the-ground purpose, which it involves Jews and non-Jews or, or the Jewish nation and all other nations um, living together as the people of God, um, worshiping together, sharing life together, praising God together. And, and such a reality is only possible because of God's amazing work in Jesus and Jesus' death for our sins is revealed in the gospel. And so after he's worked through that, those realities and those truths from almost every conceivable angle in this letter, he just steps back at the end and praises God um, for what he's done and what what that's accomplished. And so he, he... Again, now to him who's able to establish you, it might be worth noting that idea of establish. It comes in at the beginning of the letter when he talks about his desire to be in Rome, and we'll talk about that in another episode. But he wants to come to Rome, and he wants them to be established. And established isn't a found, like we think of, you know, the church was established or it began. That's not the meaning of the word here. Um, if If listeners are reading from ESV, it's translated strengthened. Um, and the idea is is more to sure up, to take something that's already there and just make fortify it and make it even stronger. And I think that's the case here with the Christian community in Rome. You've got mature Messiah followers. You know, he said back in 15, as we've already talked about, um, you know, they're they're full of knowledge, full of goodness, able to admonish one another. They're already strong and mature, but what he's doing is rooting them, grounding them even deeper, uh, uh, shoring up their foundations and their and their structures in the gospel more fully. And and it's God who's able to do that. Um, 
and, and it's according to my gospel and preaching of Jesus Christ, according to this revelation, this, this mystery, which has been kept secret for long ages past, but is manifested and by the scripture of the prophets. There he speaks to the fact that what is now true in Jesus and what is now happening in Jesus is what God has been purposing from the beginning, what the law and the prophets and the writings all are talking about. I mean, that's that's the the hope and the expectation that that the, the that's revealed in those scriptures. Um, but the idea is they've been kept secret, they've been hidden, but now they're revealed. And hey Mike, I'm gonna slow you down. I'm gonna slow you down. Yeah, down. please do. So mm-hmm. this that that phrase right there is really important. Um, first of all, your comments about strengthening or establish very helpful, very helpful. Um, but I want to talk about this revelation of the mystery. So he says, according to the revelation, or in Greek, the apocalypse. Yeah. Okay. According to the apocalypse of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages. Now, um, most everyone loves a good mystery. Yeah. Um, what is this mystery and the revelation of it that Paul is referring to? Yeah. I mean, essentially, the fullness of what God is up to, right? You know, there, there's there's truths about it. I mean, and again, the law and the prophets reveal what he's doing, and yet there's some opaqueness, some hiddenness, some lack of clarity that only comes to be known in light of the death of the Messiah. Um, and, and so um, that sort of becomes the capstone then to bring everything together. And, and now that teaching is going out and we see the implications of that reality um, and what that means. Okay. So it's not just law observant Jews who are the people of God. No, it's those who are uh, receive forgiveness of sins through the Messiah. And that's Gentiles. This that opens up access to God for all nations, right? Where all can sit at the table and all can, can uh, again, sing praise to the, the creator and all can receive those blessings from, you know, promised Abraham. Um, and so, you know, in, in, a, in a sense, you could say um, the mystery is, I like to say it this way, the bigness of what God's doing in Jesus, right? And the full full implications, the fullness of that, right? Yeah, and it's, it's obviously multifaceted. Paul says yeah. in Ephesians 3, the, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Now, yeah. that is, I think, what the mystery entails, that the grafting yeah. in of the Gentiles to the family of God. But yeah. we also need to realize that that revelation of this mystery um, God has brought in all nations to the family of Abraham. That is the revelation of the mystery, but the implications of that mystery are then cosmic. It yes, has right. implications for every facet of reality. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I love what you said then. It's 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 the, the bigness of that. But yeah. I think on the base, it's the welcoming in of the Gentiles, but the implications are big. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the specificity of it. Look, the Gentiles get to come in but like, well, what does that mean? I mean, 2000 years later, us Gentiles are sitting here talking about these things right. and it's yeah. not new news to us, but see this in this in this original context in this world where the basic assumption was Jews are the people of God and, and, and they had plenty of good reason to do that. 
God is saving the Jews. God is redeeming the Jews. God is accomplishing all this with the Jews. And yet the death of Jesus did so much more than that. And, and that's that bigness of that. And so this mystery is that because of that now, all these other nations can be brought into that people and become, again, children of God, heirs, all, all that stuff that we just said. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. So then go to verse 26. Yeah. Um, and, and so, again, this, this is that mystery. That now, now, according to that, that mystery, that commandment, now it's made known to all the nations bringing about the obedience of faith. And this brings us back to Paul's mission. You know, he sees this as the, the, the trajectory of the gospel, but that's his own mission as well, right? He sees himself as, as going to these other nations, bringing the gospel, helping non-Jews now become disciples, helping non-Jews now learn to obey Jesus, obey God, walk as the people of God. And it's this open door um, for all to all to come in. And it's just a remarkable thing. So Mike, do you think that this revelation of the mystery being witnessed by the prophetic writings, being made known in Jesus. So this mystery is that all nations can now bow to Lord Jesus. Mm -hmm. Okay. Again, verse 26 and verse 25 put together, all nations can now bow to Lord Jesus. Yeah. Would the apostle Paul have said that that is a necessary, but not very important implication of what he's taught? Or is that the central hunch? That's, that's the, the thing. That's the thing, right? <laughs> that, that's the 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 telos of, of the trajectory and telos of it all. That that um, not only is Israel being redeemed as as they expected, but this forgiveness of sins goes out to all nations. This this release from the powers of sin and death goes out to all nations. This uh, sonship and um, uh, restoration to the image of God and being recreated into the image of God goes out to all the nations. Well said. Well said. So at this point, I'd like for you and me to slow down a little bit and just kind of talk about some assumptions that we may have bringing into Romans. So we've tried to look at Romans 15 and 16 in our, in our first five conversations now and ask, where is Paul going? Mm-hmm. And I know you and I in our individual studies and in many conversations we've had over the last few years have had this conversation. What was Paul really getting at? What was he aiming at? And as you and I have noted, if you start with Romans 15 and 16 and see where he's aiming, you're then going to go back, especially through one to eight, and then yeah. probably reconfigure a bit of where he's trying to go. Yeah. So. I think many readers of Romans would look at Romans 1.16, for the gospel is the power of God to save. Yeah. And would say that's the thesis statement of the book. Now, I think that's a very important statement of the book. Sure. Um, But I also think that Romans 15 verses 6 through 9 are very important statements of the book. That Christ Mm -hmm. became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness, to confirm the promises of God given to the patriarchs. So rather than me just talking around the point, I'm just going to be really candid. All right? Sure, yeah. In, in the history of interpretation of Romans, there have been different stories yeah. that have been told for mm-hmm. what Romans is about. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. I think the general, what, what may be called more the Reformation reading of yeah. Romans, is that Romans is all about 
salvation by grace as opposed to works of merit. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so Romans then becomes a book about a system of salvation by which individuals can be saved. Mm-hmm. Now, let's both be clear. Does Romans have implications for systems of salvation? Sure. Does Romans have implications for works of merit? Yeah. 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 There's implications there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I think you and I would both say that's probably not the main thing that Romans is about. Agreed? It, it, it's certainly not the main thing. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be I'll, a bit more candid than me here. I that's will. Yeah. I'll, I'll not say probably. I'll say certainly. Yeah. So then I'll say another way of reading Romans is um, let's say, let's just be clear with our labels here is what's, what's called now like more the new perspective reading, mm-hmm. which it's not about individual salvation so much as the story is about the people of God. Yeah. Right. And I think there's a lot of wisdom and exegetical mm-hmm. fruitfulness that can be found in this type of reading. Sure. And in this in this sense, the problem is not that individuals are trying to save themselves by works of merit, but rather that sin has created separations that Jesus Christ is now seeking to heal. Mm-hmm. Now, a third way of reading Romans is called more the apocalyptic Paul. And I know this mm-hmm. is one that you and I likewise have been influenced by. And and I, I especially, I'll speak for myself, I'm very— I say, yeah. Yeah, you're um, going to hold the fort down on that one, but yes. I'm a Bartian all the way. Uh, Karl yeah. Barth was kind of the, the grandfather of this. of this, But the apocalyptic, um, the apocalyptic Paul says that Paul is bringing about the apocalypse or the revelation of a new age in Jesus Christ against an mm-hmm. old age that is passing away. Those mm-hmm. of will already hear so much of what I preach. Sure, yeah. And so, I mean— yeah. I think every story of Romans that I've just told you, the Reformation reading, the New Perspective reading, the Apocalyptic reading, each of them have important notes to hear in the story. Sure. Of right, yeah. We just need to make sure that we realize what the key signature is hmm. and how we're actually reading the music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and I think that's probably the metaphor I'd use here for those that understand music. Romans has the notes. But what key signature are you assuming here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. D, D major is yeah. very, very, very different from C sharp minor. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you look, if you look at it, it's going to look a little bit similar, but they're very yeah. different from how they're played. Yeah. And that's likewise what I would recommend as we start back into Romans 1 to 6, 1 to 14. Let's yeah. make sure that we have the right key signature. Let's make sure that we're listening properly and realize what is Paul actually getting at. And for those that don't understand your music metaphor, I'll just say, if we don't know what questions Paul's actually asking and answering, we'll assume perhaps that he's asking certain questions that he's not, answering certain issues, questions that he's not, um, and and misconstrue what he's saying. Well said. Well said. So one clear implication of this, obviously, is how we consider the Old Testament scriptures. Sure. I think generally in the fellowships that you and I have been in, the Old Testament scriptures have been seen as dead and nailed to the cross and gone away. And I've been griped at many, many sure. times for preaching from the Old Testament too much. Yeah. Um, I don't think that the Apostle Paul would be in that key signature. No, I mean, no. We'll, we'll see this when we look at the very, I mean, we see it here in this last doxology, but you see it in the opening lines. You know, every... Virtually everything he says is some hyperlink back to 
the law and the prophets and the Absolutely. writings and the expectation you know, as so, the relevant reality for informing what he's doing as an apostle, <laughs> right? Absolutely. And so, I mean, you and I, we, we can get in far more detailed conversations about this. And as we work back through Romans 1 through 14, we will start to navigate what does works of law mean? What does faith mean? What does grace yeah. mean? We'll have these conversations. But I yeah. do think it's important to, to ask, what is the story that we're listening to? What is the yeah. key signature that we're in? What are the problems that Paul's addressing? What are the solutions that he's offering? And yeah. we need to make sure we're listening to this properly to really listen to what Romans is about. Yeah, absolutely. And, and maybe just to reiterate that from previous episodes, you know, some of those questions are, um, do Gentiles need to become circumcised in order to and, and observe Torah in order to be considered the people of God? Um what how should gentile messiah messiah followers view um jews uh believing jews unbelieving jews how do they relate to one another um you know those are the specific you know it's questions it's not abstract law versus grace and all that faith versus works in some abstract sense it's very concrete story driven um historical realities well said, well said. So then once we understand that Paul is centrally aiming at the unity of all nations under the lordship of Jesus Christ, that should then bring about the obedience of faith. Yeah. Now, Fleming Rutledge, who takes more an apocalyptic Paul, um, mm-hmm. she notes it this way. The theme of obedience arises out of the confession of Christ as Chorios, as Lord. Mm-hmm. There is a powerful connection here in the Greek that readers who know, know Greek can easily grasp. Each of the two spheres of power has its chorios or chorioi. The verb form chorioi is to lord it over is used in Romans 6, 9, where Paul declares that death no longer lords it over Christ. And in 6, 14, where he states that corresponding truth, that sin no longer lords it over the baptized believer. To lord it over can have its true meaning only when we understand who the Lord is. It is the Lord Jesus Christ who brings us up out of the orbit of the powers into the orbit of his own obedience. That'll Mm -hmm. preach. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, You know, Paul's not just saying here, all right, that means that you have a few good behaviors and make sure you sing right. That's not what he's saying here. Yeah. What he's saying is far more cosmic in scope. Mm -hmm. That you are then going to be in the obedience of the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Yeah, right. And that's what confession of Jesus as Lord means, is that we ourselves are incorporated into Jesus's own obedience, which as we get into Romans 5 and 6 and and, and deal with all of the beautiful implications of what that means, but that's what Paul's wanting to see. He's wanting to see all people live out the obedience of Jesus Christ, all nations to come together under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And, and, you know, and again, you take that all the way back to the beginning and what was God's vision for humanity. Male and female, he made them in his image, let them rule over the earth, right? And and to think about that purpose is being restored and brought to its fullness and completion in right. Jesus as, again, not just the Jewish people, but now all people are, are now being restored to that purpose. Absolutely. And then after talking through the diversity of nations, he then ends with the great note of monotheism. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Yeah. Amen. You know, and and you think about like 
we'd put that in our own words. Like after after thinking through the realities and implications that we just talked about, it would be in at least my own words, you step back and just say, God is awesome. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So let, let, as I said, next conversation will be in Romans 1, but let's just bring this to a tentative close. Here's, I think, where we are. Paul is aiming for the unity of all nations under the lordship of Jesus Christ so that we'll be obedient in the faithfulness of Christ. Is that fair? Yeah. So to him be glory forever and evermore through Jesus Christ. God is awesome. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Gospel According to Podcast. If you have any questions about what you heard today, please send us a voice message. We would really love to hear from you. Make sure you follow us on social media, subscribe, and click the bell to get notified when we drop a new episode. Until next time, and for all time, your God reigns. Thank you.